Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. The goal of this how-to and identity episode is to help you understand how the legality of things work in the kingdom of heaven and how you can play by those rules to live out your freedom and victory in Christ. There are several names of God and several roles played in the kingdom justice system. We will look at a few of them. These names balance out the truths of God's righteousness, justice, mercy, benevolence, and power. Jesus said this about it. I want people to understand the rules of the kingdom justice system. The system balances the scales of justice and mercy. When people understand how this works, they can more easily pray in agreement with what I'm doing and exercise their power to cooperate with it. Some of the names of God related to this is Elohai Mishvat, which means the God of Justice. This is a compound name that includes all of the inclusive isness characters of God in the name Elohai and adds the doesness name of Mishvat, which means justice. Justice is always grounded in God's love and mercy. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore, the Lord waits expectantly and longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed, happy, and fortunate are those who long for him, since he will never fail them. The next role is that of the advocate. The word for that in the Bible is parakletos. Jesus is your advocate. The word parakletos means intercessor, advocate, advisor, helper, legal advocate. Jesus represents and counsels us much like an attorney would. Jesus is the only one qualified to do this as his sacrifice made a perfect atonement for all of our sins, past, present, and future. The next name is for the justifier or shield, and the name for that in the Bible is Dikaio. Jesus is your justifier. He is a replacement program. He doesn't defend your sins. He covers them completely. The word dikaio means to make righteous, defend, the cause of, plead, for the righteousness or innocence of, acquit, justify. Hence, I regard as righteous. He is your shield. His perfect sacrifice covers you as a shield so that the Father sees you already in Jesus' perfection. In Ephesians 6, it states that the shield of faith is part of our armor of protection, which means that your belief in Jesus is the key to him being your shield. You must put on faith to experience him as your shield. The word for witness is ad or martis. There are 139 verses related to the term witness, which essentially means an eye or an ear witness. The word martis means to personally see and hear something so that it can be testified about in the court of law. One constant witness is the Lord, whose omnipresent eye sees and hears all things. El Shaphat means the judge of all. This name refers to the God of judgment at the end of all days. For the believer, judgment is not about punishment, but as our measure of reward. As you can see, El Shaphat is another compound name, El referring to the fullness of who God is, and Shaphat meaning the God who executes judgment, like a judge who rules in a case. 
Let's take a look at what this looks like in a natural courtroom as reference, and then we'll take a look at what it looks like in a kingdom courtroom. The key players in a natural earthly courtroom are the judge, the lawyers, the defendants, and the prosecutors, the witnesses for both parties, and in some cases, jurors. Whether you have ever been in a courtroom personally or not, it's likely that you have watched some court-related programming in your life and have a context for how things work in a court situation. Evidence is presented on both sides, facilitated by legal teams, and by following certain rules. The desired outcome of is justice being served and the case is closed. The entire process is held together by laws and systems for interpreting those laws. So many things on earth are mere shadows of what goes on in heaven. Let's take a moment to look at the systems for truth in the kingdom of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven if you are a believer. This means that you are subject to the laws of the kingdom as well as the ones on earth. The law in heaven is the word of God, and the sword of the word of God is your defense. Jesus perfectly fulfills the law because he lives inside of you, and the law is within you. The inner wisdom of God's will is accessible to you. This is all accomplished because of what Jesus did for you on the cross to gain you this accessibility. Matthew 5:17-21 says, Do not think that I came to do away with or undo the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Those were words of Jesus directly. It's also important for us to talk about the difference between covenants and contracts. The word for covenant in the Bible is diatheke, which means a will, a testament, a setting agreement having complete terms determined by the initiating party and confirmed by one entering into the covenant. God is a promise-keeping God and desires his people to be covenant-keeping like him. Covenants are created to be forever promises. When you accept the Lord into your heart, for example, you are sealed until the day of redemption. No one can snatch you from God's hands. John 10:28 says, "And I give them eternal life." And they will never, ever, by any means perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Hebrews 8.10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their minds, even upon their innermost thoughts and understanding, and engrave them upon their hearts, affecting their regeneration, and I will be their God, and they will be my people." Contracts, on the other hand, are intended to be temporary. They are set up with certain conditions and when met, end the agreement. A real estate contract is an example of a contract. When all of the predetermined conditions are met, the property moves into a new person's ownership and the relationship between the seller and buyer is completed. Marriage is designed by God to be covenantal. Although many people think of it as a contract, it is actually a covenant intended to be unbreakable. And in God's eyes, it is unbreakable. But we can see that the salvation covenant that God makes with those who believe in Jesus is a covenant and not a contract. It can never be broken. Let's take a moment now to talk about agreement, who and what you're agreeing with. Whether you realize it or not, you're always agreeing with something. Your behavior reveals the things for which your heart is agreeing. 
The Lord gives much advice about this in the Word. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, pseudo-intellectual babble, according to the traditions and musing of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth and teachings of Christ. When you agree with anything that is not from God, it opens the door for the enemy to mess with you. These agreements with the enemy give the enemy legitimate contracts to mess with you. The contracts are in place only while you agree with them. So confessing and repenting of any thoughts or limiting or destructive behaviors breaks the contracts with the enemy. Guard your heart. Now let's talk about witness and testimony. Eye and ear witnesses are anyone who has seen or heard the truth. One key witness is your omnipresent Lord. He has seen and heard everything you have ever done and was present for every interaction you've ever had. He is also omniscient, which means he knows everything. You are also a witness and testify for or against yourself by your own words and behaviors. It's important for you to know the truth that can set you free. To not acknowledge that you have played a role in certain challenging issues and relationships can keep you in bondage. You must be honest with yourself because the Lord knows the truth. Victimization is an effective strategy of the enemy. Keeping your eyes on your offenses and on the offenders keeps them off of God and limits your own awareness of what you might be doing to contribute to the problem and what you may need to confess and repent in order to heal relationships or issues. Psalm 139 reminds us to search our heart, O God, and tell us the truth, because it is the truth that sets you free. So you must be open and willing to be honest with yourself. The enemy testifies against you when you have given him a legitimate contract by your sin or word curses Or when you simply just go your own way and walk away from God's umbrella of protection. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us a long list of things that we do to agree with the enemy, therefore giving him permission to mess with us. Verse 24 urges you to not give the enemy those opportunities. Here are some wonderful journal questions you could ask the Lord to help you have more awareness of what might be going on. Ask him things like, Lord, what have I been agreeing with that has allowed the enemy to have a contract to mess with me? Or, Lord, what has been my own confession related to this issue? Am I agreeing with the truth of your word, speaking faith, hope, and love? Or am I agreeing with the enemy, agreeing with fear, hate, malice, or hopelessness? And Lord, who else might be testifying against me? What people, organizations, or institutions have railed against me? Show me the truth, O Lord. Is there anything I need to confess or repent now or need to do in order to forgive and release people because they don't know what they're doing? You may want to pause this recording and ask him some of those questions before moving on. Next, let's talk about the role of the blood of Jesus. There are three things that blood does. It gives life, it cleanses, and it heals. In the natural world, we could not live without blood. 
Blood gives life to all parts of our body. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of life which it represents. The job of the blood is to carry waste and filth, purifying us from what would naturally kill us. In this manner, it cleanses. When you have a cut, the body uses the blood to coagulate and heal the wound. In the Old Testament days, blood sacrifices by perfect animals were required to atone for sins. Animals needed to be without blemish, and the atonement was temporary. Animal sacrifices needed to be done over and over to manage the sin of the people. Jesus' blood is supernatural and perfectly life-giving, cleansing, and healing for us spiritually. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins on his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as an altar of sacrifice, so that we may die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin, and live for righteousness, for by his wounds, who those who believe have been healed. As believers in Christ, Jesus has given us a heavenly blood transfusion. His blood that was sacrificed to purchase your eternal life mingles with your blood, empowering you to live, be cleansed, and be healed. Realizing that truth and living out the understanding of it is the journey of the Christian life and it's the path to your Christ identity. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Holy Spirit willingly offered himself unblemished, that is, without moral or spiritual imperfection, as a sacrifice to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observances to serve the ever-living God. Because of Jesus' victorious resurrection, you have new birth, a new life, and an inheritance you can now live out of. This new life never spoils, can never perish or fade, but you must realize that and live it out as a truth in experience. The Father sees you and Jesus together as a perfected Christ you. The enemy sees you the way you see yourself. If you see yourself as anything less than your true inherited self, the enemy can work with that. What is your full inheritance? Well, here are five things that you now have because of the blood of Jesus. Number one, you have redemption. Jesus paid the price for your sins. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption, that is our deliverance and salvation through his blood which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. The second thing you have is fellowship with God. Jesus opened back up the direct channel of God's presence for you. Hebrews 10.19 says, Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter into the holiest place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus. The third thing we have is healing, and that includes physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him, 
and by his stripes or wounds we are healed. The fourth is his protection. He covers us with his perfection and protection. Exodus 12:13 says, The blood shall be a sign for you on the doorposts of the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I shall pass over you, and no affliction shall happen to you to destroy you when I strike the land. The fifth is the authority over the devil. We stand with Jesus covering that we have the authority to conquer the enemy. Revelation 12:11 says, And they have overcome and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when facing death. Now I'd like to talk about the courts of heaven. Robert Henderson has written many books on the courts of heaven. This is a quote from Robert Henderson from one of his books to give you an idea of what he believes about what he's doing with the courts of heaven. He said, The teaching on the courts of heaven is one of the main elements to the discipling of nations. As the spirit realm is adjusted through legal actions based on the finished works of the cross, culture will be freed. This will result in the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. Henderson is teaching how to minister through a process of healing and deliverance through a legal process that addresses spiritual issues in the kingdom and has been doing this for a very long time. Many testify to its effectiveness in helping them find healing and justice. I asked the Lord to help me understand the process and what about it he actually wanted me to share for you in this podcast. I asked this question, Lord, are the courts of heaven a metaphor or a creative tool to help identify spiritual issues that facilitates the application of your blood to our circumstances? Or is there a legitimate heavenly realm that operates as courts of heaven? Jesus said, this is not the right question. The more important distinction is that it is a real process that really works because it's facilitated by me and applies my blood to issues. Nothing can overcome my blood. The question is not one of theological issues that's worth fighting over. It is not the only path to justice, but it is an effective one. It is helpful for you to understand how to balance my justice and mercy. The most important thing for you to understand is how and why you allow the enemy to obtain contracts against you and how to allow me to take care of them with you when you do. It's also important to understand my role as your advocate and the role of my blood so you know how to apply it to all circumstances. Like any other encounter that we have designed in this series, it works because it's in cooperation with me and executes my will for healing and justice. Visualizing me with you is important. Seeing me as your defender in a courtroom and applying the blood and understanding the power behind it is key. Innocence is determined by applying my perfect innocence to you. This is the truth of the new covenant. The Father sees you and me united uniquely and in perfection because I'm covering you. It is important in this process to see yourself on the other side of the courtroom as well. How are you nullifying my work on the cross by agreeing with the lies of the enemy? This process helps you see this dynamic in a courtroom setting, and it will help you catch yourself when you find yourself agreeing with lies and help you claim the truth 
of your Christ's identity. Ultimately, the courts of heaven experience shows you how to apply your legitimate authority over the enemy by the power of my blood so that you can get and stay free. Henderson's courts of heaven process can seem a bit complicated. He has a lot of charts and graphs and different courtrooms and different places you can appeal. He has written many books and produced many training videos and workshops on this topic. I will do my best to make this as simple as possible, just to make the point that it is another creative way that you can find healing, deliverance, and freedom with God. If you have listened to my episode about how to receive your healing and how healing works, the courts of heaven is very similar in many ways. Both processes identify the areas in your life that you are not aligned or in agreement with God's perfect plan for you. In the healing process, we learned that a lot of the issues you have in life are because you agreed with some lie from the enemy and not the will of God. So the process is similar in that way, that what we're looking for are areas for which you have given the enemy a contract to mess with you. The original contract that the enemy received was from Adam and Eve's original sin. Their sin put a curse on all of us and gave them a legitimate authority to mess with any of us. Even the enemy, though, is under God Almighty's sovereign control. However, Jesus accomplished the reverse of that curse on the cross. By living a sinless life and defeating death in the grave, Jesus became our covering, our advocate, and by the power of his blood, we can come boldly into the throne room and into the court of heaven and plead our cases. Covered by God's blood, we will receive not guilty verdicts. One point Henderson makes in his books is that the important thing to know about the name that you are approaching in the heavenly courtroom is that it is always about your kingdom purpose. He reminds us that you seek the Father for personal needs, the friend for the needs of others, and the God of justice for his kingdom purposes. So what types of cases do you bring to the court? Well, once you're saved, Satan cannot rob you of your heavenly destiny. The only thing he can do is rob you of your kingdom impact. Because the courts of heaven are about justice, your defense must be related to your kingdom purpose. For example, if you've been given a prophetic promise to accomplish certain things in this life for God, and you have just been given a terminal diagnosis, you can come to the court with your calling as your defense. I recently heard a story about Kim Clement. At the beginning of his ministry career, the Lord had given him huge prophetic promises that he would evangelize and disciple specific nations. He was on an airplane and had a dramatic 1,000-foot drop because the plane hit an air pocket. People were all panicking and screaming, some praying and crying. And Kim stood in the aisle and started shouting, China, India, the United States. Then suddenly things settled down and the pilot assured people that the plane was fine and it would not happen again. The person sitting next to Kim Clement asked him what he was doing and he answered something along the lines of, the Lord gave me some pretty big promises and I was simply reminding him what they were. Kim knew that it was not his time because of those promises, and he was declaring that truth out loud as a mighty prayer warrior strategy. Just like if he was in the court of heaven, he would be claiming that his destiny was his defense. 
The court of heaven experience is similar to this. It's when the books of your destiny are examined and when the blood of Jesus is applied to all circumstances. It's a method of visualizing Jesus as your advocate, representing you to the Father and covering you with the blood that pays for all your transgressions. Just like in a regular courtroom, there are defendants and prosecutors and witnesses. The court of heaven is an encountering experience where you see the enemy's case against you and you are able to respond to the testimony of the witnesses by either repenting for the convictions that are true or denouncing the condemnations from the enemy that are lies, countering them with the truth of God's word, and then asking the Lord what other conditions would need to be met for all the agreements with the enemy to be broken. You must obey the conditions that the God of justice identifies. When you agree with all of the conditions and see Jesus apply the blood over your case, then the God of justice can rule in your favor. Let's take a moment to talk about who the witnesses are in the courts. We are the petitioners. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God is our judge. Isaiah 33, 22 says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. Jesus is your defender, your mediator, your attorney. 1 Timothy 2, 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our witness. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Romans 8, 16. Satan is our prosecutor. Revelation 12, 10 says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before God day and night, has been hurled down. Angels are also present in the courtroom, ministering to the needs as Jesus directs. Let's talk about what happens uh, as you present your case in the courts of heaven. It's important to visualize Jesus the whole time, whether it's in the meeting that you have with him in preparation for the court or the court itself. You want to see yourself with Jesus. You want to cooperate with whatever he says for you to do and say you need to follow his lead. This is a spiritual encountering experience that will bring freedom and healing. Jesus definitely knows how to guide you through it, so don't stress too much about this. We're going to walk you through it in your encounter experience. You'll probably want to take breaks in this recording and practice it in pieces so that you can get through how it works. But for the most part, you're just looking for Jesus to show you what to do and just follow him. So imagining yourself with Jesus and seeing him and angels and the Heavenly Father present and allowing Jesus to take the lead is really the secret to how this works. So before we do an encounter, I just want to share an example of somebody that I had an opportunity to pray with through the courts of heaven, just so you can see a case so that the pieces of it don't sound as confusing when you just hear a case and how it works. So the Lord had already shown this woman that she was healed of a chronic illness. He had given her assurance of that and also given her a mighty calling where he showed her some huge fruit-bearing future glimpses related to this calling. 
and he had given her many instructions about how to step into that future. Even though she knew she was healed because she saw the Lord take care of it with her, she was still experiencing some symptoms that would look like she still had her illness. They were mimicry symptoms. She was not sure why, but she acknowledged that dealing with these symptoms had her fixing her eyes back on herself and off of Jesus and the work he was calling her to do. So we decided to do a Courts of Heaven experience with her, and she saw herself in the courtroom with Jesus at her side as her defender. She saw the God of justice as the Heavenly Father sitting in the judge seat. She saw Satan standing on the other side of the courtroom with her best friend and her husband at his side. This was very confusing and surprising. Both of these people loved her dearly. How could they be testifying against her with Satan? As Satan made his case, she realized that both her friend and her husband were praying against her in the court of heaven. She and her friend had bonded over both having chronic illnesses. At the heart level, this friend did not really want to see her healed. Would they remain friends without sharing their aches and pains? This was not even a conscious awareness. It was just accomplished by praying without faith, secretly hoping that she wouldn't lose a friend because they would not have anything in common anymore. Likewise, her husband took great pride in being her caretaker. He did not believe in miraculous healing and enjoyed his role as the man she needed by her side to take care of her. What was he to be without her illness? Again, these were not conscious feelings by either of these people, but they were the true heart motivations below the surface, and the enemy wastes no opportunities. The enemy tried to justify sending mimicry symptoms, stating even these people closest to her don't want her healed and don't believe you for her healing. Wow, that was interesting. The first thing that my friend needed to do was confess and repent for believing that those symptoms might have meant that she wasn't really healed. And she needed to forgive these two and others that may be praying for her without faith. And she had to forgive God for allowing it to happen to her. Then Jesus gave her some scriptures to anchor her healing, and she spoke them out loud. She forgave her friend and her husband, and even prayed a blessing over them. Then she looked to the back of the courtroom and saw a river of blood running from the back of the courtroom all the way up to her, covering her completely and covering her husband and her friend. The God of justice then declared her innocent and broke the contract. He told her to walk in victory and to never forget that she was completely healed. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop and remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. 
Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. This is going to be a two-part major encounter. So what you're going to want to do is pause the recording, do pieces of it, come back, and do the rest. So make sure that you take your time and that you have properly postured your heart before beginning any piece of this. So the first part is a pre-trial meeting with your defender and advocate, Jesus. Before you enter the courtroom, just like you would in a natural courtroom, you need to prepare with your lawyer. Ask the Lord Jesus, your advocate, to identify the areas for which you are struggling and fallen out of agreement with God's perfect will that you are actually slowing down or threatening your kingdom impact. And ask him to bring to mind any areas that are threatening your destiny so that you may have a plan with Jesus to go to the courtroom and have him defend you. Things like illnesses that are getting in the way, keeping your eyes fixed on yourself and not on God would be a case. If there are relationship issues that you may have that are also getting in the way of you accomplishing purposes for the kingdom. Anything that is getting in your way of doing what God has planned for you to do is a valid case for the courts of heaven. When you have this initial discussion with Jesus, you want him to give you some areas that are off, and you also want to ask him to give you some scripture that will combat that, or he may even give you a biblical research assignment to be able to combat that. So make sure you've done all of that work before you pick this recording back up and go into the courtroom. After you have properly worked out your issues with Jesus and have postured your heart for the courtroom experience, I want you to see yourself and Jesus walking into the heavenly courtroom. Look around the room. You'll notice angels there. You'll notice the Father on the judgment seat. You'll notice people, witnesses on both sides of the room. You may even see yourself on the enemy's side of the room as well. This would be the case if you have cursed yourself by saying things in agreement with the enemy. That's interesting. Jesus knows how to work with that too. You'll see El Shaphat, the judge, sitting on the throne, and the enemy and any witnesses that he has on the left side of the courtroom. You and Jesus are standing with any other witnesses with you on the right side of the courtroom. Listen carefully as the enemy makes his case against you. The enemy will always make his case first. Then pause this recording and rediscuss with Jesus about what the enemy is saying so that you can identify what about it is true that you need to confess and repent for and what about it needs to be combated with the truth of the Word of God because it's a complete lie. Confess, repent, 
for any sin for which you are guilty and ask the Lord for his forgiveness. Forgive yourself, forgive God, and forgive anyone else involved in the lie that's beset in your heart. And reject any lies of the enemy with the scripture that counters it. Jesus will help you with this part. Then together with Jesus, speak in an authoritative tone, saying, I apply the blood of Jesus that nothing can overcome by the power of your word, Jesus Christ, in this situation. Having confessed and repented, sought forgiveness, I now break any contracts, any agreements previously held by the enemy in this area, and declare them null and void. Then, at that command, look for the blood of Jesus to come from the river of the back of the courtroom, flowing and covering over you, and any pile of evidence instantly dissolving at its touch. And then just feel the release of the guilt lift off of you as Jesus takes this on and releases it forever. Next, turn to those who were involved with any false accusations and or who had any role in this issue and pray a prayer of forgiveness and blessing over them. If they are not saved, it's important for you to first pray for their salvation. That's the most important thing you can pray for and release them completely. Ask Jesus to give you a visual picture of what that looks like as you let it go. Sometimes people picture it as burning away, sometimes cutting away, but picture it with Jesus. He'll give you a picture for that. Then hear the God of justice gavel slam as he declares you not guilty because of Jesus' blood and closes the case. Give Jesus thanks and praise and then celebrate him and what he's accomplished for you by doing something really fun as a way to close out your encounter. Take all the time you need and record it all in your journal. All of the steps in this encounter are laid out for you in this episode of the pattyej.podbean.com site so that you'll have a reference when you go through this more complicated encounter experience. Well, I hope you learned a new way to find freedom and deliverance by working the justice system of heaven today. We hope that you did find freedom and that you now have another way to encounter Jesus for healing and deliverance in your toolbox. If you have no other takeaway with this episode, it's that your purpose and calling will keep you safe until Jesus decides that you're finished. So stay in the center of God's will and continue to walk out your salvation every day so that you may live out the purpose and kingdom impact that God has created for you. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.